Good morning. Good morning. As you gather, let me give you some announcements. I'll remind you a couple of things. Um, first of all, if you have a prayer request, if you'll raise your hand, I'm sure somebody will bring you a card. Uh, as you all know, we have to, uh, Christmas Eve is right around the corner. Christmas Eve service is at 6 p.m. Uh, in the sanctuary on Wednesday. At 5.45, our new organist, Don Shabke, will be playing some Christmas carols on the Celtic harp. So if you want to come a little early, you can hear uh, that pre-service music. Okay? On 1228, which is next Sunday, there is one service here in the Family Life Center at 10. One service here in the Family Life Center at 10. Immediately following that service will be a special called administrative council meeting to take up one item, that's to approve the budget. Today at 4 o'clock, is it at 4 o'clock? Four, six o'clock. At six o'clock today is the youth Christmas party. And if you uh, need more information, see Paige. Kevin Duncan, our finance chair, is going to come up and speak to you uh, a moment about our budget proposal for 2015. Good morning. Everybody doing good? As we, uh, this morning we met finance committee um, and we as a finance committee have approved the budget for 2015. Obviously next week that will take the approval of the administrative board to put that budget into fully place. Um, I would like to take this time to thank everyone a few weeks ago that participated in Consecration Sunday by filling out a pledge card. Those pledge cards directly go into how we come up with the budget for the next year. There is still time to make your pledge if you have not done so, and I would ask that you prayerfully consider that moving forward. And if you've never filled out a pledge card, I would ask that you consider doing that going on in the future. So a couple of things as we look at our budget going into 2015. 2015 is going to be a very important year for Memorial Methodist as finance is concerned and a few of those things would be one we have got a growing children's program as y'all see and last week was a perfect example of that and we also have a growing youth program and with growing programs those things take money and with the activities they have planned the mission trips they want to do to continue doing God's work to continue to minister to our children and to our youth funds are needed for those 
also in the past as a general budget we have decreased the budget we have found ways to be fiscally conservative and find ways to to cut the budget any way we can and we've been very lucky and very blessed that the last few years we've had some families that have passed on that have given trust to go directly to facilities and maintenance you see some of the improvements that we've had with the parsonage you see the new playground you see a lot of the things that are going on at the church facilities those are directly contributed to families that have left us funds well those funds are no longer here so I'd ask going forward, the trustees and the finance committee are going to work very hard to continue to maintain these great facilities that we have. You know, everything is very positive right now, very good right now, but I ask that, you know, as we go into 2015, that you do consider what you pledge and what you give. And as we finish up 2014, if you are behind, to call the church office and find out where we are. Because again, we're here to do directly what God has called us to do, to minister to those here, to spread the good news outside these four walls, to bring others to Christ. And we have a truly amazing staff. We have fantastic facilities. We have a wonderful children's program and youth program. And next year could be filled with so much joy and happiness. And I ask that you all just continue to prayerfully consider those things as we move forward. Thank you. the lighting of the Advent candle. There you go. Good morning. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope and joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Well, I'm so glad that all you guys came this morning. So you guys stand and sing with us. It's going to be great.
Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you brought us here today. It was kind of a gloomy morning, but we thank you for that anyway. Uh, Lord, I just pray that this morning, uh, that you speak through the band, through the words that we sing, and that you use us as vessels and nothing else, um, and through Joseph's sermon as well, that you just use him uh, to glorify you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. kids can come up and sit on the green carpet.
Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Our Bible verse for our children's sermon this morning is from Luke 1, verses 30 and 31. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Many, many years ago, a woman named Sarah Hale wrote one of the best-known and best-loved children's poems, and I bet you know it. It's called Mary Had a Little Lamb. Does everybody know that one? Yeah. yeah? Okay, so you can say it with me. Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. You know the next line? What is it? And everywhere that? Mary went. The lamb was sure. You know it. Okay. Well, Christmas is coming this week, and whose birthday do we celebrate on Christmas? That's right. So in the Bible reading today, um, we heard about an angel who appeared to Mary and told her that she would have a child and she would name him Jesus. And sometimes Jesus is called the Lamb of God. So I thought we would read a new poem this morning called Mary Had a Little Lamb. And it might not be as popular or as familiar as the one we said together a few minutes ago, but it might help us to remember the true meaning of Christmas. So I want you to listen to these words. Mary had a little lamb. He was born on Christmas Day. She laid him in a manger to sleep upon the hay. Angels filled the nighttime sky and they began to sing. Shepherds heard them all proclaim the birthday of a king. Wise men saw a blazing star up in the sky that night. They followed it until they found the king of love and light. Mary had a little lamb, but he wasn't hers, you know. He was the very son of God, the one who loves us so. The father of this little lamb loved the world so much that he sent his only son to earth so we could feel his touch. He came to give us joy and peace and take away our sin. So when he knocks on your heart's door, be sure to let him in. Why do I love this precious lamb? What can the reason be? The answer is quite plain to see. It's because he first loved me. Don't you like that version? Is that a good version to read before Christmas this week? I think so too. I brought you a picture um, with our Bible verse on it that you can take to your seats before we go back this morning. But first I want us to say a prayer together. Will you repeat after me? Dear Lord, thank you for sending your precious lamb to take away our sin. Help us to remember as we celebrate his birthday that he was the greatest gift of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you have a special job that you have to help me with this morning when you go back to your seats. Miss Cindy isn't here this morning, and Mr. Charlie asked me to start Jesus Loves Me, but nobody wants to hear me sing it. So we're going to sing it together when you go back to your seats, okay? Does everybody have one? Okay, you want to start it? Can you start it, Maggie? Jesus loves me. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Jesus loves me.
Jesus loves me. Tells me so. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh Lord, we come this day praising you and stand in awesome wonder. And we're astounded by the unfolding of your plan for salvation, especially at this time of year. Hear us as we rejoice in your holy name. You have given us faith to understand the mystery of the incarnation wrought in the womb of a virgin. And yet we must confess this day that we do not always rely upon our faith. Your word reveals your truth, but we rebel when that word seems too hard to grasp. Forgive our impatience. Bring that word alive to us once more this day. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, just as you did your chosen one, Mary. Pour it out again upon us, that we may respond in faith to your call and might be bearers of the Christ in the world today. Today we're reminded that some of our congregation suffer. They suffer from ills of the mind, body, and spirit. We pray for them. We pray for all those who are on our prayer list. We pray that you would offer them what they need best and fill them with refreshment from your presence that they might find peace. And we especially pray this day for family members who struggle with decisions about their future. Oh Lord, in the fullness of time, bring us all to your salvation as wrought in Jesus Christ our Lord. And he taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I didn't realize that the Austin family was going to read my scripture for me today, but you did. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I'm going to read it one more time. I think we got it switched. Yes, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Give attention to the reading of God's word. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for bringing us here together on this day. Helping us to understand and to feel your spirit with us as we come to this fourth Advent Sunday, last Sunday before Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and one of the most important events in our uh, religious uh, Christian year. Help us, O oh Lord, to try to understand best we can what this means, this incarnation. We pray in your name. Amen. 
Now that's what it is. <clears throat> Incarnation. Incarnation. Uh, I'd say probably about half of you are going, what? I've never heard that word. Uh, incarnation, that's what happens on Christmas Day. It's a theological term for the birth of Jesus. What it means is that something is put into the form of flesh. Now St. John records this in the Gospels with these words. He says it this way, And the Word, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. This incarnation, this God in the flesh has always been a mystery to theologians and to others throughout the centuries. Here's why. Consider the dilemma. How can we go from talking about this all-powerful God who creates everything that we can see to start talking about this God who is like a child? learning to eat and talk and walk. How could the one who constructed the foundations of the mountains and laid out the seas stack toy blocks? Incarnation. What a mystery that it is. One of my favorite Christian authors, and probably some of y'all's, is a guy named Max Lucado. He, he's been very prolific in writing books. And once he was asked to explain incarnation, and this is the way he wrote it. He said, it, incarnation, happened in a moment in time. A most remarkable moment that was like no other moment ever in time before. While the creatures of the earth walked unaware, divinity arrived in their midst. God was given eyebrows and elbows and kidneys, and He stretched against the walls of the womb, and He floated in the amniotic fluids of His mother like all babies. End of quote. You know, there's been people who've come up to me before in years past and they'll say, to think of Jesus like this is irre irreverent. It's, it's, it's just not right, <laughs> they would say. Because you see, it's much easier for us to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. But we must not do that. We must let God be as human as God intended to be. We must let God into the muck and the mire of our existence for only when we let Him into that can He pull us out of it. Yes, the Incarnation is a mystery. I cannot explain it. There's been many, many volumes of books written by many great theologians who cannot explain it. But one thing we can explain a lot easier is this. The result of the Incarnation is clearer. The result is this, God's yes, God's yes to His human creation. As St. Paul taught it, God with us. A God with us is a God for us, and a God for us can be a God who works in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this incarnation means that God is no longer just out there somewhere, or God is just not in the center of the temple, that God is just not maybe on a mountaintop with Moses. God is here now and still is. 
And it all happened in that very special moment. You know, there's lots of special moments, I believe, in a person's life, and there's lots of special moments in the story of our God and His interaction with His creation. But sometimes these moments are missed. Sometimes we are so busy or we don't take the time to reflect and to really see and feel these moments. But there are great moments. There are great moments in each one of our individual life and there is great moments in the scriptures that we must not forget. Like the moments that the disciples uh, stared at buckets of loaves and fishes that would never go empty. Or that great moment when that in the story in the Bible when that leper sees that his skin is healing and he runs back to thank God for his mercy. You see, this incarnation means that God does what he would be doing only maybe in our wildest dreams. Things like riding a donkey, washing feet, dozing in a boat in a storm, or dying for our sins. These great moments when God put on humanity and experienced life as we do, He experienced all our laughter, all our joy, and all our pain, and all our tears. That's why the incarnation is best explained as God's yes to His creation. God's yes to His creation. I often think about why do we repeat the story? Have you ever noticed that in the Christian year, the, the, mo, the mo, big important stories, Advent and Christmas, uh, Lent and Easter, Pentecost, the, gr the great stories of our faith are when we seem to want to be present in church. It's amazing. Those are the times we make sure we're in church. But it's the story being repeated. It's the story we all know. Why do we repeat this story? And why do we want to hear this story repeated? We, we want to hear it repeated, I believe, and we come and we repeat it to ourselves over and over so that it will become an intimate part of us. We repeat the story until the truth of it is down deep in our spirit, our soul. We repeat the story because we want to see God. We want to see God among other people and in the world. We want to see the face of Christ in others. We repeat the story until it is ground deep in our consciousness. We repeat the story so it will govern our actions. We repeat the story until we begin to live the story. And because we know that we are valuable, sinful people, we constantly want to be hearing the story because we want to hear the story. We want to repeat the story until the grace of God becomes incarnate in us. 
We repeat the story until our actions give human form and substance so that we know down deep inside that we too are sons and daughters of God. Not in the same way Christ is, but in the only way humanly possible for us to become God's children. And that is by telling the story, by living the story, by repeating the story, by being the story. God's yes to us is really, really important. God's yes to us means God's peace to us. It means a chance for glory. It means judgment must not be feared. It means an escape from punishment. God, yes, is God's peace to us. Many cultures have many different ways of celebrating the birth of Jesus. In Latin America, I was reading about a practice, a ritual that, and I'm probably not saying this word right, I did not take Spanish, but Las Posadas, maybe? It's a ritual that is acted out of the scene when Mary and Joseph go look for a room at the inn. And members of the congregation are involved in the event. Now, every time I read about this, I keep thinking, wouldn't this be cool if we did this <laughs> as a congregation? What happens is that the, the Mary, there is a, there's a Mary and Joseph, okay, dressed in the park, a donkey, woman on the donkey, and the man, and the congregation, in a predetermined house. And what they do is, all the members of the congregation are involved in the event. And it's acted out in front of another member's house. And a woman on a donkey and a man are followed by this group from the church. And they approach this certain house. And Mary and Joseph knock on the door and ask for a room. And the people on the inside tell the family, go away, go away. There's no room. There's no room here. Go away. We don't want you. And they shut the door. And at this point, then the crowd that's there with them begins to plead for the Holy Family. Please let them in. Please. They're hungry. They need a place to stay. She's with child. They do all this shouting and pleading. Finally, after much pleading, the owner of the house turns on the lights and invites them all in. And they have food. <laughs> we have to have somebody who's got a big house to try this with. Worn down by the pleading, they give lodging. Now we know this is not what happened. We know from the story that no one spoke up. No one spoke up on behalf of Mary with child and Joseph. God's yes which is what the Incarnation is, God's yes was immediately answered with the all-too-familiar human no. No, no, no. 
No room for you. No room for God. No room. You know, no room for God is more than a historical footnote. It is really an indicator of the spiritual condition of humankind. The fact of the matter is, every day, someone either says yes or no to the Lord. Every day, somewhere, Jesus says, listen, I am standing at the door knocking, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. What wonderful words in our Scripture. Christ is always at the door of people's hearts, asking to come in, asking to be with us, willing to be for us, willing to say yes to us. Why anyone ever says no is beyond me. But this is what Christmas is all about. God's yes. God's coming to us. How will we answer God's yes? That is what we have this life here for. How will we open our door? Will we plead on His behalf when He stands at the door of someone else's closed door? My friends, I hope this Advent and Christmas season that you feel the joy of the birth of the Christ child. That you see within that most remarkable miracle God's yes to you and to others. And I hope also that just as you feel that joy, I hope that you feel the tragedy. The tragedy of when the Christ child is abandoned by others. I hope you're saddened by it. And I hope you'll plead on His behalf to those who have closed doors. My Christmas wish for you, some of you I will see, I know Christmas uh, Eve, and some will have family and other responsibilities. Answer God's yes with your life. My Christmas wish for you is that you tell the story, that you live the story, that you be the story. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in response to our Lord. Let us join our voices. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life in death and life beyond death, 
God is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated and let our ushers come forward as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
Please stand and sing with us. you this day. May the Lord. <laughs> I got messed up. <laughs> May the Lord. <laughs> May the Lord bless you all. Okay. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Yeah.